In the middle of the back row, in the spirit of Soho Mural, is a man who ran a fencing and riding school just off Soho Square for some extremely well-heeled clientele. At number 20, it's Henry Angelo. You've got to fight for what you want, for all that you believe. Born in Piccadilly in 1756, Henry was the eldest son of Italian fencing master Domenico Angelo, who in some ways perhaps has a stronger claim to the place in the mural occupied by his son. Domenico had moved to Soho and set up the Angelo School of Arms in the 1750s and it quickly became the most fashionable place in London for the most fashionable people, people such as the Prince of Wales and the Duke of York, to learn fencing, that most fashionable of sports. Henry was schooled at Eton, where by this time his father had a side gig as a fencing master. After three years of swordsmanship training in Paris, Henry returned to London in 1775 to work with his father and eventually took over the running of the Angelo School of Arms in 1780. Under the stewardship of Henry, the school continued to be the place where the gentry trained in the noble arts and the school ran in two other locations, firstly on the Haymarket and then on Bond Street. He eventually passed on the school to his own son, who was also called Henry. According to some sources, Henry Senior met his death at the hands of another of our famous mural people, the actor Edmund Keane, after a wound accidentally inflicted by Keane during an exhibition bout turned septic. As you will hear, my guest today tells a different version of that story. That guest is Keith Ducklin, an actor and fight director and co-author of the book Sword Fighting, a Manual for Actors and Directors. Since 1995, Keith has been a member of the creative team at the Royal Armouries Museum in Leeds and has extensively researched the Angelo fencing family. To hear more about Henry Angelo and his father, I called up Keith Ducklin on Zoom. So we're here to talk about Henry Angelo, but it turns out that he was actually part of a, a whole dynasty of Angelos, fencing Angelos. Could you talk me through that dynasty and where Henry sits in that, in that chain of, of Angelos? Absolutely. Well, the answer is Henry sits right in the middle. His father was a man named Domenico Angelo Malavolti Tremamondo, and he was the son of a rich uh, Italian merchant in Legon, which is now called Livorno, uh, on the Mediterranean coast of Italy. And at the time, it was a multi-ethnic commercial and cultural hub, and there was a huge English presence there. And Domenico uh, was uh, very interested in fencing. So rather than take up the family business, uh, he decided that he wanted to study fencing. And so he moved to Paris in 1745. He was born in 1717. So he arrived in Paris. He became a bit of a fencing sensation with his uh, sword master. And he attracted the eye of a very famous English actress called Peg Woffington, who was uh, doing something of a European tour at the time. And they had an affair and she brought him back to England and he obtained patronage from a number of very important people, not least of all the Princess of Wales, who appointed him a riding and fencing master to the Prince of Wales and the Duke of York. And from there, of course, he managed to get up a huge number of extremely high profile clients. And he bought Carlisle House in Soho, set it up as a riding and fencing school, and he stayed there for about 17 years. Which is why, interestingly, I think he is by far the more important of the Angelos in Soho, because he spent a huge chunk of his life um, teaching in the area. 
In time, he decided he wanted to move on. He'd been offered a very prestigious post as a fencing master at Eton College. And so he decided to shed the fencing school uh, in London, devote himself to Eton, although he continued to live in London. And he passed it on to his son, Henry, who took it over. Um, the timeline isn't absolutely solid, but it was somewhere between 1780 and 1785. And Henry ran with it again for many, many years and then passed it on to his own son, who was Henry, who then took it on for most of his uh, active professional life. So you're talking about really about 150 years of, of Angelos when you, you add all their time and spans together. So it was an extraordinary kind of dynasty and they were very much leading lights in society and the people to go to. If you had money, if you wanted to learn to ride or to fence or to shoot, the Angelos were the people that you came to for those whole three generations. Did everybody fence or was it a kind just for the posh people or... Was it, a, was it a skill like driving that most people had, or is it more like polo that only posh people did? Well, I think the answer to that is that we have to remember that at the period when certainly uh, Dominic the father and Henry the first son were teaching fencing, it wasn't fencing in the sense we think of it today, competitive sport fencing. It was a mixture of that and deportment because Dominic firmly believe that it was one of the best ways to teach a gentleman deportment because of the muscles that it exercised in the body, the way in which it kept your back straight, the way in which it stretched your muscles. But also we have to understand that particularly in Dominic's lifetime and for the first decades of Henry's, fencing was actually a martial art. It was something that gentlemen learned because they might in extremis have to use it. Now that's not to say that certainly in the latter part of Dominic's life and throughout Henry's and his sons, that the rule of law wasn't slowly pushing aside the concept of fighting to decide the outcome of a legal dispute. But it was true that it was always a possibility for a young gentleman at that time that the wrong word said at the wrong time could lead to a life or death encounter. So although a great many of these young men might not have been brilliant fencers and might never in their entire lives have picked up a sword in anger, just occasionally it would happen that they did. And Dominic in particular in the course of his life had to fight a couple of deadly duels. You know, he came to England, set up his fencing school very much for the idea that yes, it would be a school of deportment for young men. It would teach them grace and elegance uh, as would the riding but also that the fencing was something that he'd experienced as you know, a life and death encounter. And he was teaching young men to ensure that they would be adequately prepared if that happened. So we have to get away from that idea of the modern concept of sport fencing. And remember that this was still a period in which sometimes people did duel to the death. And it was legal to walk around with a sword on your hip. Would you go to the opera with your sword or would you go to a tavern with your sword? just in case you were set upon by ruffians. Yeah, absolutely. In Dominic's lifetime, yes. Not so much in Henry's. By the end of the 1700s, beginning of the 1800s, it wasn't considered correct to wear a sword anymore. The, the idea had gone out of fashion. But for much of Dominic's lifetime, he would have carried a sword in the street. And it would have been an item of jewellery on the one hand, because if you had money, your sword was very beautifully made and it was very much a, a piece of costume jewellery. What we have to understand is that technically it wasn't legal to duel 
and hadn't been effectively since the reign of James I back in the early 1600s. But it was something that was understood to be a necessary safety valve. You know, gentlemen had to be able to settle their differences. So when they did, although they weren't allowed to do it by law and it would always be done privately, it was very, very common for gentlemen to go out and duel, but it was never legal. The carrying the sword, ironically, was legal. The right to use it could be very, very tricky legally if you were caught out. And if you killed somebody in one of these illegal duels, would you be held responsible for that? Would it, would it be murder or manslaughter? It, or? Would be, it would be murder, yeah. There would be no manslaughter because you'd gone in there knowing that you were going to do it. So it was always murder. The point was, of course, that the agreement between gentlemen was that you did not duel unless you were prepared to be seriously injured or killed. And so what would generally happen is everybody would keep quiet about it. And it wouldn't get as far as a legal argument because everybody had said in the first place, look, we fully expect what's going to happen here. You know, I mean, in a sense, it's only today um, if you race, you know, if you drive a racing car, you know that you might crash and get killed. And everybody knows that can happen. Everybody knows that boxers occasionally die as a result of their injuries in the ring. And a lot of people think it shouldn't be allowed. But we as a society accept that we enjoy a boxing match and we enjoy watching the Grand Prix. So we make the situation in such a way as those people are allowed to get away with it. The building, Carlisle House, there's always a bit of confusion about Carlisle House because there was two. Two, yeah. It was on Carlisle Street, not on Soho Square. Okay, it's just the corner building, isn't it? Yeah, Carlisle House doesn't doesn't exist anymore because uh, it was hit by a bomb uh, in 1941. Um, but yes, there's always been a bit of confusion. It's the uh, Nadler Soho Hotel is on the site now, as far as I'm aware. Okay, so the place would have been what sort of studios for fencing in and also riding? Where did the riding take place? He had a menage built in the backyard, so there was a, an open space out the back of it. And he uh, had that outfitted with stables. Interestingly, Dominic had the menage when it was at Carlisle Street, when Henry, very, very soon after he took it over, moved it to His Majesty's Theatre in the Haymarket. I can't find any records of there being a menage there, which is curious because riding was a huge part of what they taught, as well as fencing. But certainly at Carlisle House, there was quite a large area out the back. So riding was a big part of what they did. It's amazing to think that that was going on in the middle of the West End, sort of people running around with swords on a horseback. Uh, one of the things I've discovered as I look at all these different characters in the mural, the Spirit of Soho mural, is that many of them knew each other. They moved in these circles where they crossed each other's paths quite a lot. And we did Chevalier Dion a couple of episodes ago. And he mm, was yeah. a friend of um, uh, Angelo Senior um, and did exhibition matches for him or with him dressed as a woman because he used to dress in women's clothing. Yes. And then Henry Angelo, he died of wounds sustained. No, so he didn't. Oh, he didn't? Oh, please do tell. That's that's a weird misconception. I've, I've read several times that he was supposed to have been very, very badly injured by a sword thrust from Edmund Keane, who was one of the actors that he taught. Yeah. Uh, but all that happened actually was, as he says in his reminiscences, was that he had not really been taking as much care of himself physically as he should have been uh, as he got a bit older. And Keane and he met for a, a fencing rehearsal. And they both joked with each other about the fact that they were a bit out of shape and perhaps should be thinking about passing it on to younger men. And they made a couple of passes at each other. And then Henry took one of his famous long lunges and ripped a tendon in his thigh. 
which incapacitated him so badly that he was out of commission for several months and realized that he wasn't going to be able to fence again. I mean, he recovered, he was able to walk, but he didn't believe that he could ever fence effectively after that. So he decided that he would give it up and, and pass it on to his own son, Henry. But he wasn't killed in the fencing match. Okay, well, Wikipedia got that one wrong then. So we'll have to, uh, to tell <laughs> yeah. him about that. And you have, um, just to finish up, you have a particular connection to Domenico Angelo, which is you've played him several times. Um, I do. Uh, I do have a connection with uh, with Dominic because I work at the Royal Armouries Museum up in Leeds, and we do uh, a lot of live action demonstrations of weapons from different periods. And we became a couple of us interested in Dominico and decided we'd like to do a little play about him. And so we actually constructed a, a whistle stop tour of his life including several of the most famous incidents that he's connected with, a fencing match in which he met Peg Woffington and she pinned a rose on his breast. And, and uh, he said, well, if anybody can flick that off with their sword, then they're the winner and not me. And nobody could get the sword anywhere near the rose because his technique was so good. And it was a nice little introduction to people, to someone who is actually, you know, a, a true swashbuckler, historically, a very interesting character, and who saw that whole change from a world in which the streets were very, very dangerous places to a, a world in which it was a little bit nearer the concept we have of, of city living today. So I, I, that's, that's, that's my connection. And life and love and happiness are well worth fighting for. 